Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Acts. We're essentially doing Acts chapter 26 today. Um, McGee calls this probably one of the most powerful uh, chapters in the Bible. Um, I love how he describes it, where the glamour of earth comes in contact with the glory of heaven. Wow, such drama. We, we've got this... Um, uh, it's almost like a courtroom drama here. Paul's in Caesarea. He's been in prison, locked up for two years by Festus. Festus, you know, was the new, um, you know, governor here. He's sort of the new judge in town. Um, he's representing Rome. Um and he's kept him in prison. He could have found him innocent and let him go, but he didn't. That was uh, the prior governor. This was um, Felix. And so Festus now is the new governor, and he's trying to figure out what to do. And Paul is appealed to, to Rome. He's appealed to go to Caesar. So, as we said last time, Festus now is in an awkward position as a judge to send a man to Rome on trial, on appeal, against those seeking the death penalty against him. But there's no formal charges of Roman law that even would put this man to death. So Festus, you know, could let him go. But now Paul has appealed to Rome. So Festus can't judge him. And um, so he's now called King Agrippa, who's Jewish, with his sister Bernice, who's with him. And um, maybe they could try to figure out some angle uh, to charge Paul with so that at least he could, he's got some uh, charge uh, when he sends him over to Rome. McGee says Paul's not so much on trial because he can't be judged by Agrippa, King Agrippa. He can't be judged by Festus, but it's more like he's preaching. But he's but all these people who've come to hear him, 
you've got it's like he's the it's like he's the scandal in town he's the celebrity in town he's been in jail two years that draws interest and so you know this great king agrippa comes in with great pomp and circumstance they've got all the you know the powerful people there they've got the military tribunes there the prominent men of the city they're all there and now they bring paul out in chains you've got all the the glamour people, the powerful people, the popular people. You've got kings there, King Agrippa. He's prominent, very well learned. You've got the new governor, Festus. Everybody's there to hear what this guy's going to say. I mean, this must, as McGee said, this must been the must have been the hottest ticket in town to get. You know, just like a a great sports game. This is. Everybody's interested in what's going to go down to this day. So they bring, we'll start back at verse 1, chapter 26. So Agrippa said to Paul, you've got permission to speak for yourself. Okay, this is the king Agrippa now. He's telling Paul he can talk. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Okay, Paul's acknowledging the king, and he, he's saying he's, he's so glad to be able to bring it to him because he knows. So we've got a, a Jewish king here to listen and we've got a Gentile governor here to listen. We've got all the parties here. My manner, verse 4, of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. In other words, everybody knows who I am. I'm from Tarsus. I was educated, you know, in the finest, you know, Greek universities there, you know. I'm a Jew, you know, I'm, but I'm a Roman citizen by birth. So he's got the dual citizenship thing going. He's, he's Jewish and he's Roman, and he's speaking to a Roman and a Jew. I find that interesting, fascinating here. He grew up in Tarsus. He was educated in the Greek, univer in the Greek schools, and then he spends his time in Jerusalem under uh, the tutorage of Galius, who's um, the great scholar. So he's brought up as a Roman and a Jew, and he's schooled in the Roman or the Greek and Jews. He knows both. He's got like this double citizenship. My manner of life spent from the beginning in my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. Verse 5, they have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. <clears throat> and now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day and for this hope, I'm accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? 
That is the central question here. And Paul's like saying, don't put me on trial. Put this promise of God on trial. The promise of God that He can raise the dead. You're putting that on trial. And this is the fulfillment of all the prophets. Verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And so I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Paul's saying, look, I was raised a Pharisee, and I have been one of the staunchest proponents of the law. And I'm no special special person there. I was one of you. For in continuing, I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I chased these people down. I hated them so much. Verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. You know, I did everything lawfully. Verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Goads were like these um, sharp sticks that oxen were used to prod, to be prodded with. And if the oxen kicked in resistance, the drivers would keep in line using these goads even more severely. So it's like he's comparing Paul to like an oxen kicking against the goad. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen me, in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isn't that what we need to hear today? I mean, that's Jesus talking to Paul. That's the gospel message right there. That's like, if Jesus is talking like that to Paul, He's talking like that to us too. And we may not be blinded by the light, but we're blind. Jesus refers to people blinded, living in darkness, under the power of Satan. 
They may think they're doing okay. They may think they're worshiping okay. I mean, these are people who are on a mission to try to do God's will. But Jesus says they were blind in darkness and they were serving Satan rather than me. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What are we putting our faith in? Are we walking around blind in darkness? Living under the power of Satan? God says, open your eyes. Come into the light and receive the power of God, which is the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith, not by anything else you do, by faith in me. Because I've already done it. Wow. I mean, this is sending chills down my spine just reading this. This is Jesus speaking to Paul. Paul's telling Agrippa. He's telling us too. Verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me, in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying to both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by helping the, f and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to both our people and the Gentiles. Light meaning truth. Light to take away the darkness of Satan. He's talking to both small and great, to Jews and to Gentiles. It's kind of both social witness to the poor and the rich and racial to all peoples. Verse 24, and as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. You know, Festus was trying to maybe break up this heavy thing with some, you know, laughter. Maybe he was searching for people to laugh at Paul or to make fun of him because really it was Paul's I mean, most powerful statement here that all of the prophets and Moses said this would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. That is the gospel message. He's going to be the first to rise from the dead. Festus immediately makes fun of him. Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. In other words, now Paul is, even though he's being mocked, he's focused, he's on point, he's calm, he's, 
respectful. He's respectful to Festus, who's just made fun of him. For the king knows about these things, and so now he redirects back to King Agrippa. And to him I speak boldly. So in other words, he kind of redirects that I am speaking to King Agrippa. And he knows these things because Paul knows King Agrippa. Paul probably knew of him. And Agrippa probably knew of Paul. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. So in other words, Paul knows about... I mean, Paul knows that King Agrippa knows of Paul's zeal for persecuting Christians. And Paul knows that King Agrippa knows about the prophets and Moses. And King Agrippa is probably very well learned too. And King Agrippa knows about that this Christ was to come. And Paul's been explaining it. So that he can put the gospel message in perspective as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. So now, King Agrippa is representing the Jews, the most learned of the Jews, and he is seeing someone raised as a Pharisee like him explaining the gospel message within relationship to the Old Testament now being fulfilled by the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ. And the message is the resurrection of the dead. And Paul has put the resurrection of the dead as the chief part of all of this. His, his question rhetorically is why is it thought incredible that by any of you that God raises the dead? That was verse 8. Now, as we come to verse 23, the hall of the prophets had been pointing that Christ must suffer, and being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. Paul ends with, why do you think it's so incredible? He ends with, because it has happened. And I know, King Agrippa, that you know these things. And then he comes to verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? That's the question. Do you believe this? He's saying, I'm not even asking you if you believe this gospel message of Christ. I'm asking you if you believe the prophets. Because this is their prophecy. And then Paul, Paul throws it out to him. I know that you believe. In other words, I know that you believe the prophets. McGee says, it's not only understanding the prophecy, it's what is your relationship now to the prophecy? Because, again... Christianity is not 
a religion. It is a relationship to the person of Jesus Christ. That is Christianity. What does Agrippa say? Because now Agrippa is on the spot. Verse 28, And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? Now, you can, you can look at it as he's asking a question like, In this short a time, am I going to be a Christian now? It's almost like saying, there's not enough time for me to absorb all this and be a Christian. Are you, are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian right now? He's not really giving an answer. He's sort of answering Paul's question with a question, but not really giving, him, giving an answer. And then Paul takes it up. He takes it right back. Paul said, verse 29, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. In other words, Paul's saying, whether it's short time or long time, I would hope not only you, but everyone who hears this might be a Christian, might be saved. And McGee says, not everybody who hears this gospel message is going to respond. Some will respond immediately, and some will make excuses like, oh, I don't have enough time. But that's, that is the nature of the human heart. But what a marvelous picture of the proclaimed gospel message where the glamour of earth comes in contact with the glory of heaven. Everyone is confronted with the gospel. Not everyone will believe. But everyone is promised a resurrection. You have a resurrection from your death. Some will have the judgment of their own sin on their own backs, and some will have the judgment of their own sin on Christ. Christ is the judge. So, verse 30, the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and all who were sitting with him, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So, they found nothing wrong with Paul. Agrippa says, Look, I've heard him, but I can't help you, Festus. He's done, he's broken no, I find nothing, you know, in the Jewish law. You know, I find nothing in the Roman law to help you out here. You can't send him to Rome to judicate Jewish law. And maybe the Jews think he's, you know, he's blaspheming or whatever. But he's broken no laws. This is faith. He believes the prophecies are true. He believes in the resurrection of the dead. And um, that's it. 
faith is what this is. So um, we're going to stop here, and we will turn to the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. I look forward to hearing your take on this today. Um, as always, it's Friday. We'll take a break over the weekend, and uh, we'll set up uh, back here on Monday to look at chapter 27 as Paul is getting ready to head for Rome. Paul is so amazing. I'm learning so much, and I hope you are too. So, as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we will see you here next time. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to verse 28. So in this chapter, we see Paul give a straight declaration that he makes here when King Agrippa gave him the signal for him to speak. So here we see Paul is going to present the gospel to King Agrippa and Governor Felix. So he has been in prison for two years and um, he's going to, this is not like a defense actually that Paul is going to give. It's not like, it's, 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 I wouldn't really, we wouldn't really say it's like a trial, but it's something informal. Um, so Paul is um, going to try and explain um, his, you know, his beliefs and he's going to teach the gospel and give reasons why, um, give his reasons why um, the, the Jewish leaders, that's the leaders of the church, that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all, why they actually arrested him and his beliefs and he's sticking to his beliefs and he's, um, uh, he's made his appeal to Caesar. So scripture reads, Chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews. Verse 3. Especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. So Paul was in the presence of King Agrippa and Queen Bernice. And, you know, they assembled dignitaries at Caesarea, which was um, a Roman town on the coast. So this is not a formal trial. This, it's actually marked by the absence of, you know, Paul's accusers, and Paul appeals to Caesar. Um, so his appeal to Caesar actually had stopped the legal proceedings in Caesarea, and all they are doing is listening to Paul present the way, which is something new, and that's Christianity, so they were calling it the way. So they can't do anything because Paul's a Roman citizen and he has appealed to Caesar. So they can just, all they can do is just listen. 
So now I'm going to read um, the whole chapter um, before I give out, um, you know, the pointers. So chapter four, oh, verse four goes on to read, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first. It. They knew me from the first. If they were willing to testify that, according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God, night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, if I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, this I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I executed them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, in, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus, with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods the gods sorry so i said who are you lord and he said i am jesus whom you are persecuting but rise and stand on your feet for i have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which will yet Reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, Having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. 
that the Christ would suffer and he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim, would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are besides yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of the tr truth and reason. For the king before me, whom I also speak freely, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then King Agrippa, so there, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with, him, with them. And when they had gone outside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Okay, so this is the whole chapter. It's the proceedings of what happened and how Paul explained himself and all in front of um, King Agrippa, uh, Queen Bernice, and um, Governor Festus, and all the other dignitaries that they had invited. So this chapter tells its own story. So when Paul begins his message, that's in verse 4, which actually reads, My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews. No. Okay. So he actually immediately, he gets um, to the issue. So the focal point of the message is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul the Apostle cannot be explained apart from the resurrection. So if one takes the resurrection out of the gospel, it becomes meaningless. And today, that's the reason, you know, that um, the church has lost its power because it's not actually declaring the gospel. The church, you know, has lost the message because they're not talking about the resurrection. So today, the church is not declaring the word of God. It's busy with just organization. So now it's just a shell. It's just an organization. So Paul tells us about how he... Um, had you know how he um you know he was as a pharisee and like how he had actually been as a pharisee that he actually was a pharisee, back then was a pharisee and then his experience on the road to damascus that's in verse 9 of chapter 26 which he reads which which reads indeed i myself thought i must do many things contrary to the name of jesus of Nazareth. So Paul here, and he's talking about, um, you know, he was so busy with rituals and um, procedure, procedures of the church um, that, you know, he wasn't focusing on the person of Christ. 
and you know he says about his incident on the road to Damascus so Saul of Tarsus was a bitter enemy of God he actually hated Jesus Christ and the gospel with a passion so he thought he ought to do many things because of his background so he persecuted the church so Paul tells about the experience on the Damascus road and about his conversion as well so a revolution actually happens to him on the road to Damascus so he actually trusted religion like I said earlier on and he had religion but when he had Jesus Christ he got rid of it all so what was gain he counted loss and Jesus Christ who he actually hated um, he actually gained and became the most this you know the fact that he gained Jesus Christ became the most wonderful thing in his life so if we read verse 17 of chapter 26 it reads I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you so the Lord told him that he would actually deliver him from the Gentiles and from the Jewish people to whom he actually had sent him. So here is King Agrippa and Governor Festus, and they can't touch him because, you know, he is Roman. So see, God works in mysterious ways. He's a Roman citizen, and he, he's actually appeared, he's appealing to Caesar, and he's going to Rome. Verse 19, if we drop down, it reads, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not only disobedient to the heavenly vision. So he actually gives us his response to his calling that he had. Um, he's giving us a response to his vision that he had on the road to Damascus. So he's asking, you know, you know in other words, he's actually asking, if this vision came to you, what would you have done about it? And, um, you know, if it were you. So this was the response to his vision. And all this is in harmony with the Old Testament and its development and fulfillment of the Old Testament. So if we drop down to chapter 22, it verse, sorry, not chapter 22, verse 22 reads, Therefore, having obtained help from God, on this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying, no other person than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. So he's actually making it clear here that he's not going against the Old Testament. And now he presents the gospel to King Agrippa and all the crowd assembled there. There actually heard it. So if we go to verse 23, it reads that the Christ would suffer and he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So he actually preached the gospel. So the death of Christ should actually be preached with the resurrection. You cannot preach the death of Christ without the resurrection. The core, the center of the gospel is the resurrection of Christ. That's the hope for us, for you and me today as children of God. Let's drop down to verse 25. Verse 25 reads, But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. So today, if we just read that verse, um, there are so many 
liberals who actually are afraid that they won't appear intellectual and people may think that they are fanatics. So they actually don't declare the truths, the core truths of the gospel, of scripture. They don't because they are fearful that, you know, what will people think of me? But they're supposed to go out and declare, like, you know, core messages like the resurrection, the death, resurrection, and life of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we drop down to verse 27, it reads, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. So, you know, one can actually uh, believe in facts without them being meaningful. And we have people who actually say, oh, you know what, I believe in the facts, but, you know, they're not meaningful to them. And it's the relation to these facts that's important. So what is, the question that you can ask today is, what is your relation to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? So what kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? Okay, dropping down to verse 28, verse 28 reads, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuaded me to... Um, sorry, let me just read that again. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. So, you know, one can almost, and we have these people, you know, the almost, but almost doesn't count. So one can almost be a Christian and then be lost for eternity. And, you know, this is tragic to be almost because people tend to say they're too busy for God and say, oh, I have to do this, I have to be there, and oh, and then they're almost Christians. And they get busier and busier, and, you know, it's a tragic end. Okay, so this is our teaching for today. Okay, thank you all for listening. God bless you all, and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.